Well, good morning. It's great to see everybody today. I was looking around the room earlier, and there are some faces that I don't recognize. So if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Bill, and it is my privilege to serve as a lead pastor here at the table. Uh, we do love it when new folks come to our church, and it is my hope that while you are here today that you hear something or experience something that helps your faith come alive. That's our desire for everybody who's a part of the table. And what we mean by that is that Faith isn't just this thing that sits on a shelf or this thing that happens on Sundays when we gather together, but it is something that determines everything that we do in life. And so hopefully that's your experience um, in being here today. Now, if you are here for the very first time, we'd love to connect with you. And the easiest way to do that, you've seen this number a couple times flashed on the screen, is to text the word WELCOME to 833-276-5450. That way we'll just be able to connect with you and follow up. But I want you to know that that is a great way to uh, get a hold of any of us on staff. And so maybe that you want to save that number in your phone. Um, and if you have a prayer request where there, you just want to talk to somebody, just texting in is a great way. Uh, that number is a great way to get a hold of us and probably the easiest way to get a hold of us if you don't have our, our personal numbers. Um, I wouldn't call that number. I'm not really sure what happens if you call that number, but it's a, just a text number. So you can try to call it. I don't know. It'll be fun. Like, tell me what happens when you call that number. So, um, but yeah, text us that way, and that would be great. Um, hopefully, everyone on your way in, you got one of these. Uh, this is really important today. Melissa's going to talk about this at the end. But I know we've got lots of new folks who have been coming um, over the last several weeks. And so if you are newer with us, I want to personally invite you in the most impersonal way, because I'm doing it up here from the stage, but uh, invite you to be a part of what we refer to as formed which is on that sheet. And so Formed is just a great way, especially because we've got so many new people to just understand who we are as a church a little bit more. Uh, we talk about what God wants to do in us and through us and then kind of how that works itself out in the life of our church. It's also our pathway to partnership. So if you're familiar with church language, most churches refer to it as membership. We just use some intentional language and refer to it as partnership. It is not a necessary outcome as a result of Formed, um, but it is a possible outcome, put it that way, right? So if you're, you're not ready to dive in all the way at the end of that experience, it's not a big deal, but um, you'll experience everything that you need to do uh, to become a regular part of a church, our, our church. And so I think it's a great way um, to just, again, find out more about who we are. And so Formed is here um, in our kids' building the first, I think there's only four, but four Wednesdays in September. Um, and so I teach that, and it's a great way for me to get to know new people that are a part of our church as well. So I would love to have you there for that. Um, but we've got lots of opportunities for you to get connected in groups, and, and Melissa will talk about those uh, at the end of the service this morning. 10.52. Okay, I'm really excited about today's message, and like I told the first service, I'll do everything that I can to get us out on time, but I cannot guarantee it today. So let me pray really quick, and then we'll jump in. Father, thanks for um, just the time to gather together. Uh, to worship you. Uh, God, I pray that you would continue to meet with us today. That through the work of your Holy Spirit, you would guide our lives, encourage us, maybe challenge us, show us things that we need to do different so that we can be who you desire us to be, to experience the life that you've given to us, um, and to do what you've called us to do as well, because we recognize that you've called us um, with a purpose. Um, and so, Father, again, just have your way in us. Help us to not be distracted by anything that goes on around us today, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. As we get started, I'm curious, anybody familiar with the term load management? Anybody at all? I see a couple of hands. Probably not a lot of you are going to be familiar with that, because if you're not a hardcore sports fan, you probably have never heard that before. 
Uh, I told you a couple weeks ago, for those of you who were here when we started this series, it's an opportunity for me to talk about sports, and so I'm going to do that again at the beginning of the message this morning, because load management is a term from the world of sports, primarily in the NBA. It's really specific to uh, basketball, but it's a term that's used to describe the rationale behind an otherwise healthy player sitting out a game for no other reason than rest. And it's pretty controversial because there's a lot of older guys like me who would say, man, back in my day, Michael Jordan never set out a game because he was tired. He played through injuries. He scored 60 points when he had the stomach flu. What is wrong with these guys today? They're so soft. Why are they sitting out? And so it is, it's pretty controversial. Agree or disagree? And a lot of fans don't like it because you think about this. So you're going to buy a ticket to go watch the Mavericks play the Lakers, but then LeBron James sits out, and he's healthy, but he sits out because of load management. So there's tension that's happening here. But again, like it or dislike it, agree with it or disagree with it, there is actual science behind this. And so what NBA teams are doing now is that they're measuring stress on the body and, 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 and muscle weakness and strength in a way that they've never, they never have before. And the theory is that when the body is under stress at a certain level, the likelihood of injuries increases significantly. And so, in order for players to be healthier over the course of the season and avoid injury, they have established kind of this principle of load management, where these star players sit out just for rest. So that term usually only applied to the NBA, but the same principle is happening in other sports too. Right? In football, there is no such thing as two-a-days. And especially in the NFL, once the season starts, they never have practices where they hit each other. And again, the old guys are like, well, back in my day, we had three practices a day, and they never even gave us water breaks, and that's what toughened us up. I don't know what's wrong with these people today. But again, like it or not, the theory is limiting contact in practice keeps the players healthier throughout the course of the season and then maybe even uh, elongates their career on the back end as well. So that's the reason they're doing it. Even in baseball, which is not a contact sport, Cal Ripken Jr.'s consecutive games played streak of 2,632 games without missing a day, it will never be broken because no one plays every game anymore. No one plays 162 games because the belief if we sit out at strategic times to get rest, we can be more productive over a long period of time. So this is the third week of our series, uh, Church is a Team. So if you haven't been with us, I've kind of been using this metaphor to talk about the way that the church is supposed to work because the church is a team. In the first week, we defined what a good team is. It's one where everyone contributes in a supportive environment where there is a greater goal that brings us together and drives us forward. And that's what the church is. We have the greater goal of making disciples for Jesus, which is helping people to enter into a relationship with Jesus or to understand what life in Jesus is all about. And this is what God has called us to, this mission that we are to work on together. And so the challenge for us throughout this series is to get involved and serve somewhere. And so over the last couple of weeks, and we've still got the tables set up out there in the lobby, we are encouraging you to serve. And so I don't know if, I know a lot of people have signed up, but maybe some of you are still on the fence. 
not really sure if you should do something, should I not do something, or what should I do, or where are the needs at, all that kind of stuff. So let me tell you where our needs are currently. Um, we specifically need help in guest services. So guest services kind of wide range of things that happen uh, on Sundays, but that includes the parking lot crew. I was talking to Chris Bowman, who's kind of the leader of our parking lot crew this morning. He's like, man, it's not the greatest day or time of year to recruit for the parking lot ministry um, because those guys are out there when it's 105, but they're also out there when it's zero degrees, rain, snow, all the in between. Those guys are our heroes helping people, you know, find spots and all of that. But that's part of guest services. It's greeting out in the lobby. It's ushering, which sometimes is not a real popular thing to Like last week, it's like telling people, hey, can you scoot over and stuff like that. So you got to be, uh, you know, maybe a, a little bit, um, you know, step out, you know, maybe not fearful in that way. But we, we so we need some folks to, to sign up. And so if you haven't done that yet at the end of the service, let me just encourage you to do that. Don't just sit on the sidelines because this is who God has created us to be. We've talked about it. He's called us to it, but he's also equipped us. And so you, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're a regular part of the table, you have a gift that God wants you to use to build up the church. This is who God has made us to be. But having said that, even though this is what God has called us to do, this is who God has created us to be, if we are not careful, we can experience burnout. I'm going to give you the, the de dictionary definition of burnout. It is exhaustion of physical or emotional strength or motivation as a result of prolonged stress. And I wonder how many of you have ever felt that before. Maybe at work. Just a, a stressful season and you've gotten to the end where you're just like, I, I just don't even want to do this anymore. It's possible that you've gotten that way in your service in church. For those of you that are seasoned in volunteering and serving in ministry in, in, in church, you're just kind of doing it over a long period of time and you just got worn out. It's entirely possible, too, that you even felt that way just in terms of your own, your, your, your spiritual life as a whole, where you're trying to do the right things, but the results didn't quite seem to match up with what your expectations were, and you began to wonder, what is the point of all of See, I think burnout is a real thing. Now, I'll tell you, I don't think I've ever gotten to the point where I would say that I really felt burnout completely. But I'll be honest with you and tell you that there have been days throughout the course of my ministry where I've gone home and thought, like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I'm not sure that the stress is worth it. And honestly, that's why I'm so thankful that this summer I was able to take a sabbatical which is a gift that the elders have given to our pastoral staff. And it's not so much that we necessarily need it because we are burnt out, but it's to prevent that burnout from ever coming. And so it's having that regular rest. It's a gift to us. I think burnout is a problem in church, though, because suffering is worn as a badge of honor. Now, the, the Bible talks about how we should expect suffering, and, and that's not what I'm, I'm talking about. But I'm, I'm talking about things like this. I don't know, you, you may have heard somebody say something like this before, but you need to burn yourself out for Jesus. We kind of present these messages where you always need to do more and add more and things like that. And, and so it kind of gives the idea we need to, to redline our lives, but I'm not sure that that's exactly what God has called us to. Because what I believe that God has called us to is to be as productive as we can be for as long as we can be. 
and to do that for Jesus. And so I wonder if maybe there is something that we can learn from the world of sports, from this idea of load management, and apply some of that to our lives so that we are able to be as productive as we can be for as long as we can be for Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Before we get there, though, I'm going to give you a couple of caveats for the message this morning. I, I, so, Just so you understand, I'm kind of talking against the backdrop of serving within the church because that's where we've been in this series. I think the principles that we're going to talk about today are going to be beneficial throughout life. Though, again, I'm kind of specifically thinking about serving in the church, things like that. And so with that in mind, I want to give you a couple of caveats for today's message. And the first is this, you are called to serve. You're called to serve, and so as a result of that, then your service in church can't be like volunteering for the PTA. Now, what do I mean by that? Okay, when do people volunteer in the PTA? They do so when their kids are in school. Because the thought is, and it's not just selfish, but the thought is, I want to make sure that my child and their peers has the best experience that they can have, so therefore I will volunteer my time and serve the PTA in that way. When do people stop serving on the PTA? As soon as their kids are out of school. So then you don't do it anymore. And that can't be what service in church looks like. It can't be, I'm doing this for a time, but then it's somebody else's turn. I'll do this for a while, but then somebody else needs to take my place. Now, your role in a specific ministry may be only for a season or for a time, but your service in general can't just be for a season because this is who you've been called and equipped to be. So there is no retirement from serving in church. It's not like I get to a certain spot and now I'm done. This is something that we're to do as long as we can do. Now, having said that, this is caveat number two. There may be reason to take a step back for a time. But at some point, you need to step back in. There may be something that happens in life that causes you to need to step back for a season. We have people that come to our church from other churches. You know, We talk to them a little bit, get to know them. And what we find out, this has happened a few times over the years, you know, I was really involved in, in my previous church and really just kind of got burnt out. And I wonder if that same thing hasn't happened if, if people leave our church for that same reason. And the reason that, that I think they don't say anything in their church, but it's easier to leave a church, is because they don't want to disappoint people. Or they feel guilty about the need to step back, and so it's easier to just leave completely than it is to draw some better boundaries. And so I want you to know, if life can happen sometimes and you need to step back, and that's okay. But at some point, you need to step back in. Because sitting on the sidelines too long is actually detrimental for you and your growth. Because this is who God has made you to be. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some principles of load management that we can apply to keep us from experiencing burnout. And we're going to do that as we look at the life of a prophet in the Old Testament named Elijah. We're going to look at his story in just a minute. It's in the, in the book of 1 Kings. And so if you've got a Bible, you can start to find your way to the book of 1 Kings. And, and we'll, I'll get us right to the passage here in just a second. But Elijah served during a period in the history of Israel known as the Divided Kingdom. So I'm going to give you a quick overview of the history of Israel. So Moses went to Egypt to rescue the people of Israel out of 
slavery in Egypt. At that point, they weren't really a nation. They were just a people. And Moses led the people to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. After Moses came his predecessor, Joshua. Joshua established the people in the promised land, the land of Israel. They were there in Israel after Joshua was a period that we refer to as the period of the judges. And during that period in the history of Israel, all of the tribes are 12 tribes of Israel, 12 groups within Israel that are still functioning somewhat interdependently, not necessarily a nation. They became what we would look at and say this is a nation under their first king, Saul. And there was one nation under Saul and then David and David's son, Solomon. After Solomon, as a result of Solomon's sin, there was no longer one nation of Israel, but there was two. The nation was divided into the kingdom of Judah and the nation of Israel. And that's when Elijah is serving. Now, throughout that period, the kings of both Israel and Judah are known in one of two ways. Either they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, meaning that they led the people to worship God, or they did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord, which meant that they led the people to worship false gods. And most often, it was a god named Baal or Baal, depending on how you pronounce it. Well, it just so happened that Elijah served in what is probably, served under who was probably the worst king of Israel king named Ahab, who was married to Jezebel. And even if you know nothing about Ahab and Jezebel, you likely think, well, yeah, she must have been bad because there is still a stigma attached to that name. And so this is the period that Elijah is serving, and you can imagine, incredibly difficult to serve under the worst king of Israel. And, and Elijah was so faithful during that entire time. He stood for God when it seemed like no one else did, did incredible things for God, but yet at the end of Elijah's ministry, he experienced burnout. And so what we're going to do is look at these principles of load management to hopefully keep from getting to where Elijah was. So we're going to look this morning at 1 Kings chapter 19. We're actually going to talk all the way through uh, verse 18. I'm not going to read that much this morning. I'm just going to read through about verse 9 uh, just for the sake of time because the, the whole section is um, it's a little bit long. And so if you don't have a Bible, uh, it's going to be on the screen as I read it in just a second. Or you can find your way to our live event, which if you have one of these, on the back is a QR code that takes you to our live event. So it just made it super easy on everybody today. There's always lots of helpful things in there. Links to our digital bulletin so you can stay up to date on what's happening. Our uh, small group questions are in there. And so you can kind of think about those even if you're not a part of a group that does those for further application and, and things like that. Let me read 1 Kings Chapter 19, starting in verse 1, Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, May the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there. And he went on a day's journey into the wilderness, and he sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. And he said, I've had enough. Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under the broom tree. Suddenly, an angel touched him. The angel told him, get up and eat. And then he looked, and there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones 
in a jug of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord returned a second time and touched him. He said, get up and eat, for the journey will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. And then on the strength from that food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to Oreb, the mountain of God, entered a cave there and spent the night. You know, I, I wish that as I stood up here this morning that I could tell you that following God was easy. That if you just do everything right, then life will be great. But I can't do that. Now, there are aspects of life that are always great. There will be seasons of life where things are great. But if I'm being really honest, living the life of faith in a fallen and sinful world, it's hard. And so as a result of that, if we're not careful, if we don't do the right things, we can easily find ourselves in a place like Elijah did, where he sat down under that tree and said, God, it would be better off if I were dead. And so it's these principles of load, load management that I'm going to give you this morning that we can take and apply to our lives, and hopefully we never get to that place. So load management principle number one is this. Because burnout doesn't only come from negative circumstances, Sabbath rest is vital. For Elijah, his burnout didn't come just because of the result of neg a series of negative circumstances in his life. For Elijah, his burnout came actually after his greatest victory. Elijah had done so much for God, stood for God so faithfully over the years, and his life and ministry really culminated in a confrontation that he had with the prophets of Baal on what we know as Mount Carmel. Elijah created a challenge where he went to the prophets of Baal and told them, hey, here's what we're going to do. Each of us are going to set up an altar and offer a sacrifice to our gods, but we're not going to light the sacrifice on fire. What we're going to do is call down fire from heaven, and whoever is able to get their god to bring fire from heaven, that will be the one true god. And so if Baal brings fire from heaven, that will prove that Baal is the one true god. If I'm able to do that, it will prove that Yahweh God is the one true god. And Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you guys go first. And so they built their altar, they laid the animal over the top for the sacrifice, and then they began to cry out to Baal to consume the sacrifice. And nothing happened. And I love Elijah, because he really started to kind of pick at them a little bit. And he said, well, maybe Baal's asleep, and you just need to yell louder, and that will, you know, you need to wake him up, and then he'll do something. And so they began to do that. And still nothing. And then they begin to cut themselves. They're, they're trying to think of anything that they can do that would cause Baal to do something to prove that he was out there, to prove that he really existed. And after several hours, Elijah finally stood up and said, guys, that's enough. Let me go. And so Elijah built his altar, laid the animal over the top for the sacrifice. But to increase the level of difficulty, he drenched his sacrifice and his altar with water. And then in a very calm voice, he prayed, Lord God of heaven and earth, you're the one true God. Just bring fire down from heaven, consume this sacrifice to prove once and for all that you, Yahweh God, are, are real. And God brought fire down from heaven, consumed the sacrifice. In the aftermath of that, Elijah put to death 450 prophets of Baal. It was an incredible victory. That's 1 Kings 18. 
we look at 1 Kings 19, all of a sudden, now there's a different threat. She'd been, his life had been threatened many times before. He said, Elijah, we're going to kill you by tomorrow. And there's a drastically different result. Sometimes we think, as long as life is good, then I'm good. If I can just avoid the bad things, then I'm good. If bad things come into my life, maybe that's when I need to do something. But because we can't predict when burnout is going to come, Sabbath rest is essential. There's a rhythm of rest that we need to build into our lives. Sabbath literally means rest. And if you're familiar with that term at all, you likely have heard it in relation to coming to church. It's in the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And certainly that's the way that I learned it as a kid growing up. We have this day where we come to church. It's about a day, but it's not just about a day. I mean, it's about a day in the sense that God, in Genesis chapter 2, at the end of creation, he finished creation in six days, and on the seventh day, God rested and set it apart as holy for, as a day for us because he recognized that we needed rest. But it's not just about a day. It's actually a principle that leads to a way of life. It's something that God knit into the fabric of all of creation, this rhythm of rest. The reason I say that is because we actually read more about the Sabbath principle in the Old Testament law, where God said on this, in the seventh year, the Israelites were to plant crops because the earth, the ground, the soil needed to rest and replenish the nutrients so that they could continue to have bountiful harvest. So it is a day, but it's not just a day. It's this way of life, this rhythm of rest that God has established for us. And so as we think about this rhythm of Sabbath rest that we need to apply, what, is that, what does that look like for us? I, I do think it is about a, a day off. It's about having a day where we cease from our labor, where we can do things to reorient our lives a little bit, or uh, maybe just uh, do some things that are different to help rejuvenate us, things that are fun. But I think it's more than just having that day a week. I honestly think there's a lot of benefits in taking a vacation every year. Now, I know our society, our culture values work. We give kids in school the perfect attendance award, never miss a day. Sometimes people talk about you know, how they have never missed work or you know, when they retire, I've got 50 weeks of vacation piled up that I didn't spend over the years. And I'm not saying that those things are necessarily bad. I just know that God has created us with a need for a regular rhythm of rest to recalibrate our lives, reconnect with God, reconnect with our families, And so that's really, really healthy and allows us to be as productive as we can be for as long as we can be. It's load management principle number one. Load management principle number two is because burnout can come from feeling like you're accomplishing nothing. You have to understand, know this, that you're accomplishing more than you think you are. Elijah ran for his life. He ends up out in the wilderness and he sits down under the tree and he prays. He says, that he asked that he might die, and he says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. In essence, what Elijah is saying is, I have worked hard for my entire life, and I have nothing to show for it. See, burnout can come when you feel like you aren't accomplishing anything. When in your service, you feel like it's not leading anywhere. When at work, you don't have anything tangible to show from the efforts that you give. It's like, well, what's the point? 
And even in, in your life of faith where you're, you're trying to do everything right, read your Bible, pray, do all of the things, if it, it's not leading anywhere, then what good is it? That's why you have to know that you are accomplishing more than you think you are. In those moments where you feel like you aren't accomplishing anything, ask God to show you the fruit and hang on to that. I can't tell you the number of times over the years where I've thought to myself, man, like I'm not really sure why we are doing what we're doing. I don't think it's making any difference at all, and then that's when I'll get a note. Somebody will send me a note, hey, thanks for doing that. It really meant a lot to me. Or just a word of encouragement on the way out on a Sunday morning, something like that. It's incredibly powerful. Ask God to show you that fruit. Because I know we've got some of our student leaders that are in the room this morning, and you guys show up each and every Wednesday serving faithfully. And I know sometimes it can feel like a broken record because all the problems are always the same. And you're wondering what you're doing. I want you to know you're accomplishing more than you think you are. For our kids' leaders, you show up week after week faithfully teaching kids. And I know there are times where it feels like you're not doing anything other than child care. But I want you to know you're accomplishing more than you think you are. Those kids are learning from you. In your own personal life and living the life of faith, I know there are times where you get weighed down by things that are happening, frustrated because you're not doing the things you want to do, or maybe you're falling into the trap of doing the things that you don't want to do. But I want you to know you're accomplishing more than you think you are. Ask God to show you that fruit. I mean, I just look at Elijah's life, and he says, I'm no better than my father's. And I look at all that he did in his life, and I say, Elijah, how can you, how can you say that? You accomplished so much. Look at what you did in the previous chapter. But yet, because of the circumstances, he couldn't see it. Know that you're accomplishing more than you think you are. Load management principle number three. Burnout can come when you fail to take care of yourself physically. So diet, exercise, and sleep are essential for sticking in for the long haul. I'm going to show you this. So Elijah sits down under the tree in verse 5, and he slept under that tree. An angel comes and wakes him up and says, eat. And there was a loaf of bread and some water, and he ate and drank, and he lay down again, and he slept again. And the angel said, Elijah, get up. You've got a journey. You've got to go on. And he ate and drank again. Small little details, but I think it's incredibly important to notice. And what I believe was happening there is that Elijah was not taking care of himself physically. So for us to be as productive as we can be over a long period of time, our health, our physical health is really important. And that may be something you've never heard of in church before. And I'll be honest, like I don't know if I've ever talked about it before. Because our tendency is to focus on the spiritual and we miss the physical when I think the physical is actually really important. We've got to take care of ourselves physically, and so that means diet, exercise, and sleep are things that are really, really significant and important for us. So we've got to take care of ourselves physically. That means having a good diet. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you what that needs to be what your BMI needs to be. I'm not going to be legalistic about that, but I'm telling you, you got to take care of yourself physically, so that's a good diet. I don't know, you got to think about that. I'm a huge proponent of exercise because our emotional well-being is tied to our physical well-being, and exercise is really important in that. And so because of that, I think that spiritual well-being and spiritual health is connected in there somehow as well. So you got to exercise. And then the thing I think we miss more than anything else is sleep. Don't be that person who says, well, I can survive on three hours of sleep. I, maybe you can, but I'm, I don't think that we're meant to survive that way. 
Because God has created in us a need for rest and sleep so that we function well. So because burnout can come when we don't take care of ourselves physically, we have to do those things to survive over the long haul. Load management principle number four, because burnout can come from a failure to, extra, to experience God's presence, we must spend time with God daily. So Elijah went out into the wilderness and the angel ministers to him for a while and he says, hey, you've got to go on a journey. And he, we read at the end of the section where we stopped that he went on a journey, for, walked into, further into the wilderness for 40 days and came to a place called Mount Oreb. Interestingly, that that is the same place that we know as Mount Sinai where Moses met with God to receive the Ten Commandments. And so he ends up in a cave. And God shows up to Elijah and says, hey, Elijah, why are you here? And Elijah said, well, I, I've been zealous for you my entire life, but nobody seems to care. They've put all the prophets of God to death, and now they're seeking to kill me too. God instructed Elijah to walk outside of the, gate, the, the cave because his presence was going to pass by. First came a whirlwind. But God wasn't in the whirlwind. And then there was an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And then there was fire, but God wasn't in the fire. And then if we were to read this, it says, in the silence, in, in, in the whisper, it's probably better understood as in the silence. That's where God met with Elijah. I think we fail to experience the presence of God in our lives because our tendency is to only look for the presence of God in the big things in the miraculous things, in the powerful worship experiences. But maybe where God wants to meet us is in the silence. See, what's really interesting about that is those three elements God had used previously to show his power and presence to other people, but not this time. God wanted to meet Elijah in the silence. And so, yes, God can show up in the big things, the miraculous things, and the powerful worship experiences that we have, but I think God wants to meet us in the silence of our every day. That's why we've got to spend time in God's Word. That's where God has revealed Himself to us. Spend time connecting with God in prayer. That's where He shapes our hearts. And some of you may have never developed that discipline consistently ever in your life. And listen, I'm not saying like you've got to spend two hours every day with God. How about 10 minutes? Five minutes. Read a paragraph of scripture. Spend five minutes in prayer. Experience the presence of God in your life. That's so important. Load management principle number five, and then we're finished. Because burnout can come when, we're lo when we are working alone, we must find a band of brothers or sisters. After the presence of God passed by, the word of the Lord once again came to Elijah and said, Elijah, why are you here? It's interesting because his answer was the exact same. I've been zealous for you. It doesn't seem to matter. They put all the prophets to death. Now they're seeking to kill me too. But in that moment, Elijah was alone. It's interesting. God didn't reprimand Elijah for this. He didn't say, Elijah, what's wrong with you? You know you're wrong about this. But in God's love and his grace, he helped Elijah know that he was never alone. So there's still 
7,000 prophets who haven't been in the news. And then he provided Elisha so that Elijah would never do ministry alone again. You can't do the Christian life alone. It's hard. And so if you try to do it alone, you may be successful for a time, but at some point in your life, you'll get to the place where you say, like, it's just not worth it. I can't do this anymore. That's why it's essential that we have a band of brothers or sisters around us who hold us up when we can't stand on our own, who are there to encourage us and say, it's going to be okay. God is good in the midst of the difficulty. And we need to be that for other people. Melissa's going to come here in just a second. She's going to talk about groups. I'll just tell you, we want you to learn in groups, but I think maybe the biggest reason that we want you to get involved in groups is because that's where you find your people, your band of brothers or sisters that support and encourage you so that you can be as productive as you can be for as long as you can be for Jesus. We desperately need that. See, the truth is, I don't don't think God is calling us to burn ourselves out for him. But I think what God is calling us to do is be as productive as we can be for as long as we can be. And I think that learning from Elijah's life, applying these principles of load management, allow us to do that. So that at the end of our lives, we could say we ran the race with endurance and we ran it well. Will you pray with me?